There's a future where AI is fully integrated with everything from customer onboarding to upgrades, where automated video can power self-service on a mass scale. But what about right now, right this minute? Where does AI fit in? Welcome to the Video Voyager's Edge of AI podcast powered by Videate. We're exploring where no one has before, the transformative impact of AI and video automation on customer success. In each episode, we talk with industry experts and visionary practitioners to explore real-life stories of innovative AI video applications in the world of SaaS. Together, we're going to find out what we can do with AI and video automation right here, right now. Let's get started. Welcome to this episode of Video Voyager's Edge of AI. I'm your host, Audrey Lecker. Today, we're talking about operational efficiency when it comes to customer success. Our guest today is Luke Farrell, the Global Head of Customer Success at Deal. With an extensive background in analytics, operations, and leadership roles, Luke is an advocate for operational excellence and strategic analytics in the SaaS domain. Currently at the helm of Deal's customer success and onboarding operations, Luke oversees a platform revolutionizing HR for global teams. His past endeavors at companies like Outreach and Qualtrics reflect his commitment to leveraging data and operational insights to optimize customer experiences. Luke, I'm so glad to have you on the show. Welcome. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to chat. Great. So I like to kick off our podcast with a little bit of a hot take question, <laughs> which is, is AI going to take all of our jobs? I think AI is going to take the jobs that we don't want. So I think that AI will do all the things. Like when I talk to CSMs, they hate recording outcomes of calls. They hate going and doing these things. In some ways, yes, but in most ways, no, because then that allows me to go create more growth. Yeah, that makes total sense. And that also feels like kind of what everybody's been saying who's been on the podcast is just that things are going to be different. Yeah, I'll probably have fewer people, but they're going to have superpowers. Yeah, exactly. So how do you see generative AI for video and text content evolving in the customer success and customer experience space over the next few years? One key thing, I think it'll help us answer a lot of these questions. So we've actually built a pretty cool thing at Deal. Essentially what it is, is it's like a chat GPT for our product. And so we as CSMs can be talking to a customer. They can say, hey, tell me about compliance, things that I should be aware of in Mexico. And then you just type in, like, tell me about compliance in Mexico. It'll pop everything up that you need to know. And you can kind of ask it questions and it'll tell you the answers. So that to me is like level one. Level two is probably like on the call, like you're on your gong or whatever. And it's feeding you all this stuff. And so you have so much more information at your fingertips. I think that can be super valuable. Yeah, I agree. That sounds awesome. I'm super excited to see all the kind of chat GPT things that everybody's doing for their platforms. What are some common misconceptions about AI and automation in the context of customer experience? I think there are a couple evolutions of customer success. First is like Wild West. You do everything to support your customer. You answer everything. The second is you have to operationalize customer success. So you start tracking, you start understanding, and you have processes around what you do. Then the third is you get advisory, like you start to get ahead of customer problems. And then the fourth is scale. And that's where you start to automate, you start to use more of these solutions that'll, that'll, when a customer messages in, you'll have a direct answer to them. But I think lots of times people try and skip from phase one to phase four. 
And when I say that, it means like you haven't figured out what works. And so you're just doing more of this wild mess that you have. And so it creates problems. And I think people think sometimes of AI as a little bit of a silver bullet when you haven't necessarily matured to the point where you can even use AI. That makes sense. What are some of the hallmarks do you think of being an organization that's mature enough to use AI? I think you have to know exactly what you would do in a given situation. So for customer success, oftentimes it's like, if your answer is, oh, we'll talk to the customer, we'll have a conversation, we'll calm them down, then I think you're not ready. I think you have to be able to segment like, what is your incoming volume and say, these are the five types of incoming volume we have. And then these are the responses we have, because then you can write like if then type statements. That's really interesting. What are some emerging AI trends that you believe will significantly impact customer experience? I think getting a better idea of like what the customer journey is. Like anytime you're in customer experience, people talk about customer journey all the time, but I don't think most people really map it out. If I'm being honest, maybe I'm not a good practitioner. And so I haven't seen it done really well all the time, but lots of times like you don't know where a customer is in their maturity. You don't know where they are on your path. And I think when we get more AI, it's easier to understand those large sets of data. Whereas right now, I think a lot of people say, oh, well, there's like 50 things that go into it. And so we don't know if the customer is really having a good experience. But as we get better data sets and people who are better at analyzing them, you can say, okay, like this is the actual impact that each of these factors has on the customer. And this is how we should ideally set up our journey. Yeah, I was going to say, most of the companies I've been at did not have a customer journey set up, so you're not wrong there. No, I mean, yeah. And like, usually when you have it, the journey is like, okay, they buy it, we make them happy, and then we upsell them. And it's like, okay, cool, but like how? That's exactly what it was. So moving on to operationalizing customer success, given your vast experience across deal, outreach, and Qualtrics, how have you seen the definition of operational success in customer success evolve? For a long time, I've seen like customer success be measured on outcomes, which I think we all care about outcomes, right? Like we care how many people listen to the podcast, but like there are other things that probably drive value. And so we look at churn and we look at retention, but so much goes into that. And oftentimes like I can have a CSM that just has a good book. And so their expansion is just naturally happening. And so when I say operationalizing customer success, I mean, knowing what factors go into your outcome metrics and then measuring those. So for me, best of class is having an operating rhythm where you can say at X point, we're going to do this type of thing. And then we're going to measure how much we do it. And we're going to essentially A-B test it against clients who have that thing happen to them and those that don't. And so you know the value of that thing now. Then you know where to go and invest your resources. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. How does the inclusion of technology, especially around AI, shape this evolution, excluding its data analytics aspect? It's a lot easier to track and analyze these things. So in the past, what you would do is, what I've done anyway, is I'll have an event with a customer and I log it in Salesforce. And then my analysis now is, like, it's just very descriptive statistics. These people did this event. These people didn't do this event. The people that did the event renewed at 96%. The people that didn't do the event renewed at 92%. So I'm like, oh, there's 4% of value. That is like very, I don't even know if that's 101 level. I, you know, I feel like I'm embarrassing myself with a stats degree here. But with all the AI and those sorts of things, 
you can do interaction factors. You can do all this stuff that normally like you need a PhD in statistics and you can just click the button and say, this is my optimal customer journey. Yeah, that would be really, really cool. Now you have to be structured in how you put it together, right? I don't think AI is magic. Like you can't just say like, here's all my customers, tell me the best way, because then we really wouldn't have a job. But I think as long as you can structure the problem, AI can help you fix it. Yeah, that's definitely one thing I've noticed. I mean, besides the garbage in, garbage out thing, where you're always just going to have bad outcomes depending on your input, is that the way that you're framing the question, what you're putting in, the parameters that you're setting, especially when you're using something like ChatGPT, completely impacts the output that you're going to get from it. Yeah, I mean, 100%. And we see that too with our DLIQ. Like if I ask, tell me about allowances in Mexico versus tell me about benefits in Mexico, like I'm going to get completely different answers. How have roles within customer success departments evolved over the years to cater to operational demands? Yeah, that's a great question. I think like customer success started out often as like, shoot, we signed somebody, like it's an extension of sales or an extension of support. Like it's kind of been in the middle and I see customer success more and more going towards operations. And maybe, maybe that's just based on my experience. Most CS leaders, I think report to like a CRO, sometimes a chief customer officer. I report to the COO and I really like that because at the end of the day, my job is to operationalize customer success. I don't want to have to hire the McKinsey consultant who is going to have to be a hero all the time to the customer and be this great consultant, I would rather have a process that takes care of everything. And then we deal with exceptions. And so to me, like customer success is moving more and more operational. So with the skills that you're seeing that are more important now are being able to have like an analytics background and being really operationally driven rather than being able to like put together a good deck and have a good executive presence with the customer. That stuff still matters, but I think the weight is less. Yeah, that makes sense. In your efforts to operationalize customer success, how do you strike a balance between standardizing processes and offering personalized customer experiences? I mean, it's super hard. My general goal all the time is like design a process for 80% of people. If I can get to 80%, like I feel really good. And then I want to have triggers that mean escalation or something else. So for example, if I look at my customer base, like I've got like 18,000 customers. There are going to be prop times when we are doing something wrong or something happens. And so I need a trigger to know when I should escalate a customer. So I've built a bunch of those triggers in and I would say about every week I have like 50 escalations that I need to take care of with customers. To me, like that feels good. I'm taking care of 18,000 customers. I have triggers that allow me to like really put hands on and on 50 of them a week. And that's where the CSM gets to go be special. But like, I can't go be special to 18,000 customers. CSMs will often fight back against that process because they'll say, I am special. And it's like, you are, but I need you special only when you need to be special. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm curious, um, are there any triggers that I would maybe be surprised to learn are a trigger? Oh man, I wish I had something really insightful and genius right now. Like there's, but I don't. Like there are positive triggers. Like let's say a customer reaches a certain milestone. They've hired a certain amount of people. Like we'll send them swag, little things like that. And then let's say there are like negative ones where we see a certain amount of traffic on our support page, or we see a certain amount of traffic with our support team or things going beyond SLA. Then we trigger escalations. But I don't think there's anything that's like crazy mind blowing. 
Well, those all make sense for sure. Beyond traditional metrics, what unconventional KPIs do you believe are essential to gauge the true operational success of a customer success team? I think adherence to an operating rhythm. Like I really do. Maybe that's traditional. I don't know. When I think traditional, I think churn and churn and expansion. And those are great. But by the time you know those, it's too late. And so I think adherence to an operating rhythm is really important. And then I also think it's really important to know how much churn you have without an escalation. Because to me, that says we didn't know about it. And my job as a CSM is to know about it. And then I involve the whole company to fight that churn. But if I don't know about it, I haven't done my job. I want to dive into video automation or video technology a little bit. Operationalizing customer success presents its own unique set of challenges and pain points. How do you foresee video automation, especially when integrated with AI capabilities, serving as a solution and streamlining and enhancing these operational processes? I think customers love when you send them videos. And so I could see a world where you're like demonstrating in the platform what they're asking for in a video and then sending that to them. Like I know a customer hates when I send them a link to an article and I say like, hey, look at this because they're like, great, now I have to take my time to do this. But if instead they can say like, hey, I'm having a problem doing this and it will auto create a video. I don't know. Somebody out there has probably dreamed of that capability. But that to me is such a valuable use case. Then I don't even need a CSM doing most of that. Right. Like and CSMs don't want to do that. Yeah. And that's what we're doing. So Vidiate does video automation. And like, that's kind of the North Star is this like, imagine if you could just type into a search bar, how do I set this thing up or set XYZ up? And then it'll automatically generate a video for you right then to answer your question. Like that's what we're heading towards. Well, I'm accidentally plugging your product. <laughs> you should. I mean, I think it's great. Yeah. Because I think that's super valuable. Like CSMs hate that hate doing that work, but it's like really valuable. And then whenever you get it, it's so funny because you get customers and like, I'll get customer feedback all the time. I would say most of the time it's like, Hey, you should do this better. But oftentimes it's like, Hey, this CSM did something incredible for me. And I would say like half the time when I get that feedback, it's like, Hey, they put together all these videos. They explained it. They made me an expert in the platform. Cause most of the time, like that person that's coming in, like they don't want to be mad at you. They just want to be really good at their job so that they can get promoted and they can feel comfortable. And so if we go and say like, okay, here's, you're asking about these three features, here's a video that's going to describe them to you exactly, super valuable for them. Yeah, exactly. They just want the answer to do the thing that they need to do. And sometimes they want that answer, like, so they can watch it three or four times, right? Like I can hop on a call with them and that's great, but like they might want to go back to it. <laughs> or sometimes, you know, I know I have my days where I don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah, as a millennial, I definitely prefer not talking to people on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can't all text each other. Yeah. As businesses like Deal have a global presence, how do you see video automation aiding in crafting content that caters to diverse cultural, linguistic, and regional audiences? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've seen localization can be really hard. Luckily, what you see is often language agnostic or if you have in your platform something that will auto-translate, like translations have gotten so much better, then it makes it a lot easier. For example, I have clients all over like Southeast Asia. I speak English. 
<laughs> and, and some Mandarin, which is, you know, cool. That's just my humble brag. But like, I can't go speak Vietnamese to someone. And so if I hire a CSM in Australia that speaks a couple languages, but they don't speak another one, it constrains me from a capacity standpoint. And so you look at places where I have multiple different languages, I get less efficient CSMs because there are more constraints in the system, more constraints lead to less efficiency. And so being able to do things through like video and being able to serve a wider audience helps me get more efficient because it removes constraints on my operation. Where do you envision the operational aspect of customer success heading in the next five years? And how instrumental will AI and video automation be in shaping this future? I think it's going to be pretty instrumental. One, I think it's going to tell us where we need to focus, and then it's going to give us like higher fidelity solutions. That's the first thing. Where I see it going, I could see it being in a place where we get like 80-20 rule is awesome. And so we're going to start to be able to see more clearly what is driving that 80% impact? And then we'll know exactly what's to go and drive on. Um, as a CS leader, I've always kind of had an advantage because I'm a data guy. You know, my background is operations and data, but I see that advantage kind of going away because the AI democratizes that for everybody. Yeah, that's a good point. Yes, I'm not saying pay me less. <laughs> At the end of the day, yeah, engineers are going to get paid to build this AI. And, you know, a lot of it's already built and it's going to be like, I look at early in my career, not early in my career, as I've gotten older, I wouldn't say I'm old, but as I've gotten older, like I see people coming out of college with different skills, right? Like I think a lot of people know how to basic code coming out of college now. And like, that wasn't a total requirement for me when I finished school. And I think that we're just going to see younger generations coming with more and more of these basic skills where it's going to be like, I know how to kind of do some basic AI. And then like the goal for people who are getting older in the workforce is to not fall behind. Right. And then at some point AI will become sentient and then we'll have to pay them. <laughs> yeah. Then we're, then we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Final question. What excites you the most about AI right now? I'm excited and maybe I'm just old school, but I'm excited about the efficiencies. Like, I'm excited to be able to do more with less. Like, I don't want to do the boring work. Like, I spend lots of time looking through 100 tickets to develop a theme and to say, okay, this is the theme we need to go attack. And then I say, okay, I think the value of attacking that is $400,000. But if I can do that in, you know, have that presented to me, and then I can dive and I can start to say what really makes sense. Like, I feel like, I'm getting to use my thoughts rather than just my time to comb through data. Yeah. I'm shocked that the operations expert is excited about efficiency. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited about it. Yeah. At a higher level, like I'm more excited that people will get to do more fun jobs, more exciting jobs. I think we have people in a lot of jobs because like somebody has to do it and they're more than capable to do more. And so like going back to your first question about is AI going to take our jobs? Like, I sure hope so. Just like machines took jobs, you know, back in the day of, I don't know what jobs machines took, but machines took those jobs. Those aren't jobs that like we get to be a genius in. Yeah. Like I even remember at the beginning of my career, I started as like a project coordinator and I had to call around to set up meetings, for example. And then now you just have Outlook or Google Calendar. And I hated that part of the job. I'm glad that that is not necessary anymore, that we can just do it automatically through a platform. So I'm excited for the same thing. Yeah. And now look what you get to do. 
to have thrilling conversations. Yeah, something way more fun and creative. <laughs> so where can our listeners find you? I'm on LinkedIn. I like to contribute on there once in a while. Luke Farrell, just look me up on LinkedIn. I'm there. And then a deal, if you ever want to expand your global workforce, like we're the best place to do it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Luke. Hey, thank you. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. That's all for today's episode of Video Voyagers, Edge of AI. And if you'd like to learn how customer success and customer education leaders are using video to scale their support efforts, how AI and automation plays into their day-to-day, and what video technology your competitors are investing in, check out the newly released 2023 State of SaaS Customer Success and Product Training Videos Report. You can find it on our website at video.io. Don't forget to subscribe. Video Voyager's Edge of AI is powered by Vidiate, the number one trailblazer in the world of video AI and automation. With Vidiate, it's fast and easy to create, update, and globalize your video library with every new software release. Learn more on our website at vidiate.io. Keep up to date with technology's role in shaping the future of customer experience. Search for Video Voyagers on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to stuff. And don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review if you like us, but not if you don't, and stay tuned for more. See you next time.